Okay, today is March the 1st, 2011, and we will prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God of our provision, protection. You've revealed for us the things that we need in order to have confidence and hope with great anticipation of our Lord's return. So we pray that you will help us to focus and to be able to drink in full measure that food from heaven, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians 2, we'll just start with verse 1, that's not many verses to where we get to where we are. Now we request you, brethren, with regards to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. I believe that's about where we ended last time. Anybody have a note for that to that effect? Okay. Uh, we're going to review verse 5 a little bit. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains will do so until, the, until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders." Second Thessalonians chapter two verse five. Do you not remember that I, while I was with you, I was telling you these things? Paul, like Peter, was not bashful about repeating and telling them that I told you this. You may already know it, but I'm going to tell you again because I don't want you to only know it. I want you to remember it. 
And to remember something, you have to hear it more than one time, usually. You have to hear it over and over again. Especially on spiritual concepts that aren't familiar to most people. What I hope you will do is be able to absorb this eschatology to the point to where you could take someone that is uninitiated with regards to Bible doctrine and be able to, in your own words, define and declare what is yet to come and why it's important and why it's going to take place exactly the way that God has foretold it. So that's why uh, Paul was not bashful about He was repeating it and reminding them. Indeed, there were some who were told that had forgotten or else they had not received it strong enough to where they could resist the false teachers and not buy the lie. Some of them had bought the lie that they were in the day of the Lord. And this is, of course, the section of Scripture where Paul is setting that straight. Verse 6, And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed. So Paul continues the thought presented in verse 3. Here he presents the third thing that must take place before the day of the Lord begins. He doesn't state who or what restrains him because the Thessalonians already knew that. They knew what restrained him. Who or what. But we don't. But we have hints. And we have clues, which is what we're going to go over here shortly. And you know what restrains him now. You have the definite article, ha, which is um, the article, and it's an accusative singular, neuter. And then you have kat echo, K-A-T-E-C-H-O, which is a participle. And it is a present active participle, and it is the accusative singular, neuter. The main thing I want you to see here is that the article will harmonize with the gender of the participle and they are both neuter. You probably notice that even in the English. It says, and you know what restrains him now. That will be a key factor as we go on and see uh, who this may be or who it may not be. The present tense indicates that the restraining ministry was already in force and working during the time that this epistle was written, and this is also verified by verse 7. So whatever it is that this restrainer was restraining was already active at the time that Paul wrote this. Continuing, so that in his time he may be revealed. Jesus Christ is in control of history. Antichrist will be revealed when Christ decides and not a moment sooner. It isn't up to Satan. It isn't up to Antichrist. It's up to the Lord Jesus Christ as to when the Antichrist is going to be revealed. We saw that already in some of the grammar. Remember, we saw revealed is in the passive voice. That means that the Antichrist is not producing the action. He's receiving the action. This reminds me of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. It's not, the, the history is not unfolding willy-nilly. 
It's not just happenstance. Jesus Christ is in control and things happen in an orderly fashion. Nations rise and nations fall because of Jesus Christ so decreeing it and as it unfolds, it's because of His power and control that is doing this. And this is the same thing with regards to when Antichrist is going to be revealed. There is a time. For, every, for everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose unto heaven. That is the King James Version. And so there is a time for Antichrist, and it is not in the purview, it is not in the power of Antichrist or Satan to bring this about. Now, may be revealed is the Greek word <laughs> apocalypto, apocalypto, and that is A-P-O-K-A-L-U-P-T-O. It's an infinitive, and it's the aorist passive. So here you have the word again. This is the second time that we've had it, and you notice that it's in the passive voice. Jesus Christ is bringing about and the Antichrist is going to be the receiver of this. It means to make manifest or to reveal a thing previously secret or unknown. Antichrist cannot come into power or be revealed by his own power. This means Satan doesn't know when the restrainer will be removed, so he must always have someone in mind and be grooming him to be the Antichrist. This must be very frustrating on Satan's part uh, because people wear out. They only last so long. And he has a choice of billions of people. And so he has no doubt a phenomenal intelligence gathering agency. And he can decide, okay, who is going to be my man of the hour? And so this guy is born and you have him being essentially groomed and Satan is watching him. And if, if the time comes that Jesus Christ removes the restrainer, Satan can't be caught flat-footed. He has to have someone already in mind. And so this guy is going to be the best antichrist there ever was. The only thing, he gets old and dies. Now he's got to start over. I have no idea how many times that has happened. But it must be frustrating uh, for Satan to have to go through that I, I don't sympathize with him, but there probably is a measure of frustration there. The Thessalonian believers knew who or what would restrain Antichrist, but we do not. However, we have clues to indicate who or what it is. One view, excuse me, one's view as to when the day of the Lord begins seemed to influence one's understanding of who or what the restrainer is. Do you understand that? Whenever you think the day of the Lord begins is going to influence your thinking as to who or what the restrainer is. And you'll understand as we proceed here. There are three prevalent ideas about who the restrainer may be. First of all, we have Michael, the archangel. We have the Holy Spirit. And we have the church. These are the three prevalent views as to who or what the Antichrist may be. We're going to look at the first one. People who believe the Antichrist will be revealed in the middle of the tribulation also believe that 
the restrainer who is going to be removed is Michael the archangel. Now, I don't know if every person that believes that Antichrist is going to be revealed in the middle of the tribulation believes that, but every one of them that I've talked to do. Now, you might say, hmm, where do they get that idea? Well, we're going to go there in just a moment. But first of all, I want to remind you why, is it in, why it's important that you determine in your own soul through evidence, biblical evidence, where the day of the Lord begins. Does it begin at the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, which is what I've been teaching, or does it begin in the middle of Daniel's 70th week? And why is that important? Remember, if the day of the Lord does not begin until the middle of the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, then it is potentially possible for the church. It would be. It's not because that's not how it's going to go down. But it would be potentially possible for the church to go through at least half of the judgment phase of the day of the Lord. That is also the tribulation or uh, the first half of Daniel's 70th week. Because the day of the Lord is not going to begin until the apostasia or the departure occurs. Also, that the son of lawlessness or the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. And now we're looking at the restrainer. All three of those things have to take place. And so if the day of the Lord does not begin until the beginning, then it's impossible for the church to go through these things because the departure will have happened, which we are uh, looking at it as the rapture, the Antichrist must be revealed and the restrainer removed. And my contention is, and this is what I've been showing you, the, the Bible verifies, is that those things, at least the revelation of Antichrist and the restrainer being removed, will not happen until after we're out of here. That's why it's important to nail this down as to when the day of the Lord begins. Now, however you take this time frame as to when it begins is going to, is going to be an influence on how or, or who you think the uh, restrainer is. Now, we're, looking at, we're going to look at, first of all, those who think that Michael the archangel is the restrainer. And these people, by the most part, think that the, the tribulation, or excuse me, the, um, the Antichrist is going to be revealed in the midpoint of the, of the tribulation, and that's when the day of the Lord begins. So, people who believe the Antichrist will be revealed in the middle of the tribulation also believe that the restrainer who is going to be removed is Michael the archangel. Uh, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, and verses 20 and 21 shows that Michael helped Israel when he made it possible for someone that would be Gabriel, it probably Gabriel, to get a message to Daniel. Let's go to Daniel chapter 10 and we'll, you'll see what this is talking about a little clearer. Daniel is right after Ezekiel.
Ezekiel is right after Lamentations, and that doesn't help much. Lamentations right after Jeremiah. Now we're getting somewhere. You know, they're all, Isaiah's a big dog. Okay, Daniel chapter 10. And verse 13. Actually, I was going to go with Daniel chapter 10, uh, verse 1, and do the whole thing, but it's too much. uh, I'll just paraphrase for you. Uh, (laughs) uh, Daniel is going to receive a vision, and it's very upsetting to him. And he prays. He's been fasting, and he's been... um, what we might say, consecrating himself for three weeks. And let's just, uh, you have in the first, uh, verses 6 through 9 and so forth, is describing the vision. And some think, I I can't paraphrase this, we'll just go through, start at verse 6, so you'll understand better. Uh, verse 6, this is talking about the vision that he had. We'll start at verse 5, that's better. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet were like the gleam of polished bronze, the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Who does that sound like it's describing? It sounds like it's describing Jesus Christ, but I don't think it is. I think that it is describing an angel, and I think the angel is Gabriel. That's why I said in, this, in our notes up here that Michael helped probably Gabriel get a message to Daniel. And this is why, uh, verse 7, Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone, saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me, for any natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and As soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Now, if this is Gabriel, an angel, it just shows how absolutely stunning these creatures are. This this is so vivid and spectacular in its description that it sounds like it's describing Jesus Christ. You go to Revelation chapter 19 and you see similarities as to Uh, it being Jesus Christ. But we'll read on. Verse 10. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He was was, uh, prostrated himself face down and now he's able to get up on his hands and knees. And this, this one, this one that was described, and he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem. Look, he calls Daniel a man of high esteem. Understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright. Now that underlined stand upright 
you're going to see that this is going to be important also. It's one of many places that you have this word. The Hebrew word there is amad, A-M-A-D. And it's going to be a very important word as we sort out verse 6 and who this restrainer may be. So he tells him to stand upright for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you, you set your heart on understanding, uh, and then it says understanding this, and on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. So when D Daniel st first started understanding a vision that came before this one, it had to do that with uh, Israel is going to have war. See, at the, the timing of this is, I probably just should have started verse 1. Uh, it has to do with Cyrus, king of Persia, uh, had a message related to Daniel. What happens here, by the time Cyrus is king, what has happened to Babylon? It has gone down, and the Medes and Persians have taken over and there were people who had already started going back to Jerusalem because Cyrus put out the decree, remember? He said that the decree for them to be able to go back and rebuild the temple and everything. And uh, Daniel heard about this, uh, this message that came before this vision took place. And he's upset about it. And he started praying and he humbled himself. And he was essentially uh, mourning and fasting and all this for about 21 days. And what this creature, which I think is uh, probably Gabriel, is telling him, it's not that we didn't hear your prayer. We heard it. But there was a problem. So he says, I have come in uh, response to your word. But the prince of the king of kingdom of Persia will, was withstanding me for 21 days. Then, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me to help me for... I had been left there with the king of Persia. So what he's saying is, I heard your heard your your prayer. I was on my way, but I was restrained by the king of Persia. I think this is a title for one of the demonic angels that has a lot of authority. And he was tied up with that, couldn't get the message to Daniel. And so he called on Michael, and Michael came and helped him to where he could be released to come and get the message to Daniel. Y'all got it so far. Okay. That's, by the way, that's one reason I don't think that this uh, one that is described in verse 6 through uh, 7, or actually uh, verse, I think, 5 through 6, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ didn't have any trouble with, with, demon, uh, with demons. Now, I don't care if they're demon angels or if it's Satan himself. He wouldn't be held up for 21 days. That's one reason I don't think it's Jesus Christ that's being described. Verse 14, he says, Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And behold, the one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. I think, again, this is Gabriel. I, I, I've said I'm thinking this. The Bible doesn't say. But when you're talking about some creature 
and not Jesus Christ himself that is described so eloquently and so, so wonderfully. And he is on a par with Michael that we're probably talking about Gabriel. This is who in chapter 9, by the way, came to, Ga to uh, Daniel also. It was Gabriel. So he says, And behold, one, which I think is Gabriel, who resembled a human being, was touching my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O oh my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. This is the second time. When Gabriel came to him later in chapter 9, same thing, uh, Daniel just became so weak. Can you imagine, just, just think for a moment, that God singled you out and he sent one of the two highest angels there are to give you a message and he is just laying out before you the future of their people, of Israel, in detail. It would just, physically speaking, it would, you would be just about undone. Just seeing the angel himself would make you just about to come undone. But then the, the impact and the, the, the weight of the message itself is what is affecting Daniel here. And it probably would any human. So he had no strength, no breath left. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. And he said, O man of high esteem. This is the second time. Here you have this high angel. And he's calling Daniel a, 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 a man that has been in bondage, has been, he's not even in his own country, he's calling him of high esteem. He says, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Where have we heard that lately? <laughs> yeah. That's what the Lord was telling Joshua over and over. Take courage. Be not dismayed and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said... May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Now he's got enough strength at least to get the message. Then he said to me, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, so I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. So he's given the message. He's answered the prayer. No doubt the Lord himself was the one that dispatched Gabriel to give the message to Daniel, and then he was detained. Michael had to come in, hold the, hold the battle while Gabriel gave the message. Now Gabriel's got to get back to the fray. What is this? This tells us something here. The angelic conflict rages on. We don't know of all the unseen things, and the Bible doesn't give us all these uh, battles that may be going on, but at least we know this one did. We know that Satan has already been tried and convicted and he is going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. But until these lower creatures, man and woman, us, until it, this is all settled and God's righteousness and justice is shown to be absolutely impeccable, then the battle will rage. And God will give him certain latitude in order to use not only Satan but the false prophet and the Antichrist for his own purposes. Jesus Christ is still in control.
Verse 21. He says, however, I will, be, I will tell you what is it should be to be inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. And then verse 11, it says, And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be the encouragement and a protector for him. See where it says, I arose? Underline that. That word again is Ahmad, A-M-A-D. What do, what do you think that means, at least even seen in the English, when he says, I arose to, to be an encouragement and a protection for him? Well, it tells you when you arise, you're not sitting on the stand, sidelines. You're up front and center. You're prepared, and he is going to encourage him, and he is going to protect him. That is associated with this word, Ahmad, which is translated, I arose. Verse 2, and now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise. Underline that again. What does it mean, arise? Ahmad, again, means to come into power. They're going to have ascendancy. They're going to do something. Now, we're not going to go through the rest of verse, I mean, of chapter 11 because <laughs> it's a long chapter. And I don't remember how long it took me to teach this, but there is the Ptolemies and the Seleucid, and you have uh, Alexander the Great. There's, all, there's so much history in here. It would take so long. But I did everything up to this point in Daniel to get to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Now, this is the verse that is quoted to substantiate the fact, the alleged fact, that Michael, the archangel, is the restrainer. And why is that important? Because that would put him at the midpoint of the tribulation, and that's when the day of the Lord would begin, supposedly, and that would throw a monkey wrench in the rapture happening before the tribulation happens. You all understand why this is important. Okay, verse 1 of Daniel chapter 12. Now, at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. Look at that. Stands guard. Underland stands. Yeah, that word there is Ahmad, A-M-A-D in the Hebrew. Now, you'll notice that guard is in italics. It is translated by, in some times, in some places, by English translator as guard as it is here. But still, that word is Ahmad. So, Michael helped Gabriel, it appears to be Gabriel, to get the message to Daniel to help the, uh, Israel. And now it's talking about at a future time that Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, underline your people. Who, who is your people? What is this whole thing about? It is about Israel. It is about the Jews. None of this has anything whatsoever to do with the church age. Indeed, no one at this point even knew there was going to be a church age. So he stands guard over the sons of your people. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands, 
guard over the sons of your people will arise. Underline, will arise. Guess what that word is? Ahmad, again. A-M-A-D. That is in the Hebrew, that's what it is. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, see, that underline that again, your people, all this is about Israel, the Jews, everyone who is found written in the book, this would be uh, the book of life, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. Everyone who's written in the book, this would be believers, will be rescued. Now you can see why some would make a case here. It's talking about being rescued, believers being rescued. You see that, right? And now look at verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. What do we have here? We have people who are asleep. That means they're dead in the dust of the ground. They're going to awake. Now, this is where some people get off because they, aha, oh, this must be the rapture. They think that it's tantamount to being 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 and so forth. This is not the rapture. This is the resurrection of Old Testament saints at the second advent. You do know that they're going to be resurrected, right? That's what this is talking about. This is when it will take place. This is going in, in context. It's talking about the believers will be rescued. When are believers going to be rescued? It's going to be after. Now, we're not talking about the church here, remember. It's going to be after the, what we would call the tribulation or the Daniel 70th weeks or you could call it the judgment phase of the day of the Lord. When that is over, what's going to happen? They're going to be rescued. How? Jesus Christ is going to what? Return. Second advent. That's going to be the, when they are going to be rescued. And the ones who have slept, those Old Testament believers, by the way, where, old, where are Old Testament believers right now? They're in heaven, right? They didn't start out there, did they? They started in Abraham's bosom or paradise. Those are synonyms. When Old Testament believers died, they didn't go to heaven. No one ascended to heaven until Jesus Christ was accepted by God the Father. He's a representative of humankind in that sense. They went to a place, a holding place, probably somewhere in the middle of the earth that they stayed there until Christ ascended. And when Christ ascended, he took all the souls and spirits of these Old Testament saints to heaven with him. That's where they are now. And they will be there until he returns at the second advent. And that's what this is referring to. You got that? They are going to be resurrected. This is when they're going to be resurrected. That's what this is talking about. Okay. Any questions before I move on? I'll make sure you got that squared away. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. See, here, this is, this is very clear. If you, don't, if you don't understand dispensationalism, it really gets confusing. But there's a set. Remember what we saw? For everything, for everything, in, uh, there's a time, there's a, for everything, season for every purpose and so forth. There's a time for the, uh, for the believing Old Testament saints to be resurrected. And where do you find that? In the Old Testament, here in Daniel chapter 12. That's where you would expect to find it. You'll have to remember, not one prophet in the Old Testament had a clue that there was going to be such a thing as the church age, as the royal family of God. They didn't know any of those things. They had no knowledge of it, so this can't be referring to the rapture. They didn't know about the rapture. They didn't even know about the church age. Pentecost. All the things that we have and going for us right now, they had no idea. This is the Old Testament saints. But what I'm trying to get you to have a feel for is why someone would say, okay, we know that it's saying, it's starting out with verse 1 at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never has been since a, a nation until then. What is that describing? That, that can only be pinpointed to one thing, and that's the tribulation. Other scriptures nail this as being, there's no, not ever going to be a time as bad as that, nor will there ever be a time that will be as bad as that. So he's talking about the tribulational time, and then it says there's going to be people rescued, and then this shows the resurrection. You can kind of see why a person, if they didn't really were grounded in dispensationalism and could could understand the difference between 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for the church and Daniel chapter 12 referring to the Old Testament believers. There's a little similarities there. They could get confused. Okay, here we go. Now, the word stand guard. Stand guard and will arise. Look at verse 12, 1. Daniel 12, 1. Now, at that time, Michael the great prince who, what? This says, uh, stands guard... That Ahmad, over the sons of your people, that would be the Jews, will arise. That's Ahmad again. They are translated in the Hebrew by the word Ahmad, A-M-A-D. Those who believe Michael is the restrainer who will be removed in the middle of Daniel's 70th week think the word Ahmad means to stand still, not to arise. It means to stand still to them. Just hold on there. You'll see. The idea is that Michael's protective ministry for Israel will stop three and a half years into Daniel's 70th week, which will allow Antichrist to be revealed when he enters the future temple and displays himself as God. You see the thinking here. If you can take will arise and stand guard and say that, no, that's when Michael is going to stand still. He's going to back off. And they're going to, they, uh, they associate Michael backing off here with the restrainer being removed. And so Israel essentially will, is going to be left uh, defenseless, essentially. So, we're going to see some problems with this. Y'all ready for some problems? Y'all don't have enough problems? You've got to get these problems. Here we go. Huh? I'm going too fast. Okay, what do you want to see here? Okay. 
you got Ahmad. Our New American Standard says, the one that stands guard will arise. Both terms, both of those words, one's a participle and one's a noun. Um, no, one isn't a participle. I think it's a verb. Anyway, um, from the same root word, Ahmad, A-M-A-D. Okay? Now, here's the problems. Number one, the Hebrew and English lexicon of the Old Testament by Brown, Driver, and Briggs does have to stand still as one of its translations for Ahmad. But it also translates it to arise, to come on the scene, and to appear. The Arabic translates it to prop up. The concise Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon of the New Testament translates it to support or to lean against. Now, you're going to have the worst time there ever was. And this verse is saying that Michael, as, as the, the translation that I think harmonizes with the context and a host of other things, this is when Michael is going to come to the rescue. Maybe that's, maybe that's overstating it. Michael is going to be a support. Antichrist, even from the very beginning, is going to deceive people, deceive the entire world. When, does the, when do the Jews need Michael's support the most? It's going to be during that period because you have the very next phrase that it will be a time of distress such as never occurred since and there, uh, there was a nation until that time. So it's a horrible time. So this would be the time for, anti I mean, for Michael to not stand down but to stand up to give them extra support. Why? To keep them from being annihilated. Were it not for Michael's support, Antichrist is going to be romping and stomping. Two-thirds of the Jews are going to be killed. He gets two-thirds of the job done. So Michael needs to be supporting then. So the idea is that Michael will arise to support the Jews in this time of danger so they won't be annihilated by the Antichrist. That seems to fit. Number two, here's the second problem. The restrainer is said to be taken out of the way. That's in, that's in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Remember when we read that? He's going to be removed. And this word is ekmesesis. And, huh? I, don't, I hadn't got to it yet. The ek means out from, and it means from a place. He's going to be in this place, then he's going to be out from that place. He's going to be removed spatially. He's going to be taken out of the way. However, those claiming that Michael is the restrainer in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, say he will stand still. Here's my contention. Standing still is not the same as being taken out of the way, is it? Okay. What am I doing right here? I'm standing still, right? How about now? I'm out of the way, aren't I? Huh? It's not the same. Number three. The mystery of lawlessness already existed worldwide during Paul's day. We know that 
Because as we go through, when we're going through Second Thessalonians, it says that it's already has happened during Paul's time. We just saw it in the verse before, remember? When we were in Second Thessalonians. Michael's job is to defend or guard one nation, Israel, not the entire world. So it's the restrainer's job, as we're going to see, is to restrain the mystery of lawlessness, which is not just pertinent to Israel, it's pertinent to the entire world. Michael's job was to restrain, if you will, or protect Israel and Israel only. Number four. Second Thessalonians chapter 6 uses a neuter gender, a gender participle for the restrainer. Verse 7 uses the masculine gender in the Greek. Michael is in the masculine gender only. So whoever this restrainer is, he has to be able to be, it's comfortable for the neuter gender refer to the restrainer and the masculine gender because you have it in verse 6, the neuter, and verse 7 you have, I'm talking about Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, you have what the restrainer will be, and in verse 7 you say he will be. So you have a neuter and a masculine gender. Michael is always only in the masculine gender. You got that? I know you got maybe questions about that. I'm not going to elaborate on that now because you'll see it in a minute, y'all. Just hang in there. Here's the fifth problem. Note that the other understanding of Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. Now the other understanding is that, that Michael is not going to stand down, but he's going to stand up. He's going to protect. That other understanding of Daniel 12.1 and what Michael will do in the middle of the 70th week, namely that he will stand up, arise to protect Israel from total annihilation, does not fit the Second Thessalonians 2 description of the restrainer either. Do you understand that? Do you know why? I think I explained it. Let's see. Yeah. Michael will arise during the tribulation to protect Israel from being annihilated until the judgment phase of the day of the Lord is over. I think that's what it's talking about, and I agree. I mean, those who are trying to make Michael the restrainer would say, no, he's not standing up, he's standing down. The opposite view of that is that he's going to stand up and protect them. I think that is the right rendering of it. But even that does not mean that he's going to be a restrainer it doesn't fit with Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 because the restrainer is going to be taken out of the way. How can Michael be the protector of Israel if he's taken out of the way? Neither one of those fit. In other words, it can't be Michael either way. If you say that he's going to stand still and that is going to be tantamount to Remove, the, the, the restrainer is going to be removed and there, therefore that has to happen before the day of the Lord begins. That won't fit because standing still is not the same as being removed. And even if it's talking about Michael standing firm and protecting Israel, that doesn't fit for the restrainer either because when the restrainer is removed, he can't stand there and protect Israel. Y'all getting that? It's a little bit complicated, but I hope, I think you have it. How about this? Could the restrainer be the Holy Spirit? Let's look at that one. 
I showed you the problems with it being Michael. Do you remember what they were? Do you want to see those again? With it being Michael, we had uh, five things. First of all, the, the word Ahmad means to appear. It doesn't, just very rarely does it mean this uh, to stand down or to, to uh, what did they say it meant? Uh, to stand still. The second thing is the restrainer will be taken out of the way. He's not going to be standing still. He's going to be taken, taken away. The mystery of lawlessness was for the entire world. Michael was just uh, a protector of, the, of, of Israel. The neuter gender and the masculine gender, we looked at that. So now, let's look at, could the restrainer be the Holy Spirit? Number one, God the Holy Spirit functions as a restrainer of lawlessness in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. It says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Strive with him that he won't be as wicked as he was. What was the condition in Genesis chapter 6? The world had gone berserko. The, it was so horrible. You had angels even uh, procreating with women and having the Nephilim. And then God finally said, he warned, he warned uh, Noah, he said, my spirit is not going to always contend. That restraining influence isn't always going to be there. I'm going to remove it. And what happened when he removed it? The flood wiped them out. Number two, the Holy Spirit's restraint of lawlessness has been a significant factor in the administration of God's rule over the world. Because this restraining work of the Spirit belongs to the administration of God's rule over the world, and because God is sovereign, only God has the, rest the authority to remove it. Excuse me. What this is saying is that it has, only God is strong enough to restrain this mystery of, of lawlessness anyway. And He is sovereign. And only God has the authority to remove it. Michael doesn't have that authority. God does. Number three. Romans 8.2 refers to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That refers to the governing or controlling influence on believers to restrain lusts and old sin natures. Now this is a restraining influence that the Holy Spirit has on believers. Is that not a restraining influence? So he acts as a restrainer. Number four. The Holy Spirit cannot be taken away because he is omnipresent. However, a certain facet of his work can be taken away. He has many ministries in the church age, convicting, revealing, empowering, sealing, and regenerating. Some will overlap in the tribulation, but the restraining ministry of the Antichrist during the church age will, will be removed when the tribulation begins. You got that? The Holy Spirit has all these ministries going. Well, some people argue it can't be, the restrainer can't be the Holy Spirit because it says the restrainer is going to be removed. Well, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. You can't remove Him, but you can remove a certain ministry that He has. And that's what's being removed here. Number five. The Greek word for pneuma, which is translated spirit, is in the neuter gender and often refers to the Holy Spirit. However... The New Testament Greek also uses masculine pronouns, he and him, to refer to the Holy Spirit. 
This is in John 14, 26, 15, 26, and 16, 13 through 14. You compare those points to point three under problems. In other words, what was the problem with Micah? One of the problems of Micah being the restrainer? Problem was that in Genesis, I mean in 2 Thessalonians 2, 6, what is the restrainer? In the very next verse, it's he, which is a masculine. And that fits comfortably with the Holy Spirit because the spirit, pneuma in the Greek, is neuter gender. But there are several places where he is also referred to as a masculine gender, both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Remember when he said, let us make man in our image? Okay. I think, oh, there's the church. We're going to get to church next, but I'm sorry. We're already, <laughs> we're already out of time. Uh, in fact, we're a little bit past time. So, you may not even know or have known that there are those who make a case that the restrainer is Michael, and I'm giving you the reasons why they do. Because if Michael can be the restrainer and he is going to stand back in the middle of the tribulation and this is going to allow the Antichrist to be revealed, then the midpoint of the tribulation is when uh, the day of the Lord begins. If that happens, then it would be potentially possible, theoretically speaking, for believers to go through at least half of the tribulation. And I did my best to show you why it can't be Michael and that it's not going to happen in the midpoint of the tribulation. We've already gone over so many facts as to why it appears from the... I've given you biblical support that it is going to begin at the very beginning. Antichrist is going to be revealed at the very beginning of the Daniel 70th week, the judgment phase of the Lord, day of the Lord, or you want to call it the tribulation, whatever. Okay? I'm sorry I went kind of fast maybe and there's a lot there, but uh, we'll continue this next time. Let's close. Father, we're thankful that you have got it all together. You know exactly when these things are going to take place and in your sovereign power you will bring them, back, uh, bring them about at exactly the right time. And we're so thankful that it's all in your hands. And we're in awe at how you keep everything just clicking like time work. And we have to be patient and wait for your timetable. But we're so grateful that you have revealed these things to us. Help us to get them straight in our own minds so that we can tell others what a great God we have. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.